Welcome to this, a very special episode of Matthew Felix On Air, my very last episode ever. In this episode, recorded live on Wednesday, September 25th at Lit Wings at Book Passage in Corte Madera in the San Francisco Bay Area, I discuss Matthew Felix On Air from its inception up until this very last show. As I say in my talk, I have loved doing this show and I am so, so appreciative to each and every one of you who have listened and watched over the past year and a half. Thank you very much. I'll be back with new podcasts in 2020. Meanwhile, I hope you'll check out previous episodes of Matthew Felix On Air, as well as my other podcasts, including three based on my books on all major podcast platforms. You can get the latest on MatthewFelix.com and social media. Thanks again for listening and talk soon. Matthew Felix is a fabulous writer and a true spiritual, creative, travi savvy, travel savvy seeker. That is such a tongue twister. Travel savvy seeker. He also gives good conversation. <laughs> he extends to all of us an invitation to go deeper. Matthew Felix On Air, which is recorded at Wordspace Studios in San Francisco, features people who create and people who make a difference in the areas of spirituality, health, culture, society, and the environment. Guests have ranged from the three of us. Uh, as, <laughs> and I was on there three times, it's true. Um, I interviewed Matthew one of those times, you really should find that one. Um, as well as leaders in global issues, women empowerment, travel, even craft chocolatiers. He covers hot topics, and he's going to tell us about his new podcast endeavor set to launch in 2020. Matthew Felix is an author, traveler, and podcast host. Matthew's With Open Arms has topped the Amazon Africa category, as well as the Morocco one, three times. The 2019 Book Life Prize called Matthew's debut no novel about a young Spaniard's awakening to his intuition, a voice beyond reason, a highly crafted gem. Matthew's latest book, Porcelain Travels, recounts his experiences in and around bathrooms encountered on his travels. Publishers Weekly called Porcelain Travels an offbeat, funny collection. Porcelain Travels won Gold for Humor in the 2019 Reader's Favorite Award and is a Forward Indies Book of the Year Award finalist. Matthew's podcast, Matthew Felix on Air, features people who create, as I mentioned before, and people who make a difference. He's also produced three podcasts based on his books. Matthew, as you can tell, he knows what he's doing marketing-wise. He does writing, publishing, and online marketing consulting with writers, and he has developed a series of workshops, the next one scheduled for November. Please welcome Matthew Felix. Forever known as Travi Savvy. <laughs> okay, I don't like using a podium, so I'm gonna, um, actually, you know what, I take that back because I need to be near my computer. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Book Passage. Thank all of you for being here tonight. I published my first book in 2015, which was a uh, With Open Arms, Short Stories and Misadventures in Morocco. 
2016, I published my second book, which was, uh, or is my novel, Voice Beyond Reason. And when I published those books, I didn't have any platform. Nobody knew who I was. I had just gotten on social media, which I had avoided like the plague until I didn't have a choice. I wasn't part of any sort of writing community in the Bay Area. So again, no one knew who I was. And that is not a recipe for success in publishing. So in 2017, I joined uh, Left Coast Writers, which is a group that meets here, Linda Watanabe McFerrin, uh, author, poet, literary goddess, runs that group. And in December of 2017, Linda asked me if I wanted to be on an internet radio program. And basically, this program interviewed one Left Coast writer per month. And so, of course, I jumped at the opportunity to try to get my name out there. I said yes. In uh, January of 2018, I did that interview. But the interview turned out not to be the most important thing that sort of came of going into the studio that day. The most important thing was before the interview, the, the host, the interviewer said, you know, we're always looking for people to do shows here at the station. And so right away, I just had that flash where I knew I was going to do a podcast. That was the platform that I've been looking for. Now, the thing is, I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't know anything about podcasts. It wasn't as if, oh yeah, that, I've been thinking about this. It was just one of those flashes where that's what I'm doing. Two weeks later, I was doing a weekly two-hour podcast internet radio show at the station. Now, again, like I said, I didn't know I, I didn't know anything about podcasts. So in that two weeks between deciding to do the podcast and actually starting the podcast, I obviously had a tremendous amount to figure out. First and foremost, I had to figure out what was the format going to be of the show. Now, the show had to be two hours, which was a lot, first of all, especially not having planning on doing a show at all. Uh, but secondly, I just thought, and today, you know, our, our attention spans are so, so short, two hours with one person or one topic, I just thought that's going to be too much. People aren't, it's just going to be too much. So I decided to split the show into two one-hour segments. First hour would be what people who knew me would probably expect, writing and travel and some variation, some combination thereof. Second hour, I thought, because one of the big purposes of the show was, again, to get Matthew Felix as the writer out into the world and get people to know who I was and what I was about, I wanted to talk about other things that weren't just writing and, and travel. Other things that I thought were important and interesting, such as spiritual, some of the things Aaron actually already just mentioned, right? Spirituality, health, culture, society, the environment, that sort of thing. Matthew Fields on the internet radio show and podcast debuted on February 11th of last year, 2018. When I was preparing the notes for today, I thought, wait, that was just last year? I mean, it feels like it's been, you know, a lot longer, in a good way. Um, but one of my biggest concerns, because like I said at the time when I was getting started, I didn't really know a lot of people. I did not have a queue of guests lined up, you know, scheduled to be on the show, because again, it was just two weeks from deciding to do it to starting to do it. So one of my big concerns was, will people want to be on the show? Um, you know, will I have to prove that it's worth their time to be on the show? So I didn't know what, what, that was gonna, what that was gonna be like. So I scrambled, I asked some friends, half of this room actually ended up being on my show, um, and, and I made it work. But one of the big lessons though, very early on, was that people are excited and grateful when you give them the opportunity to talk about their work whether it's a book, whether it's a show, whether it's, whether it's an organization. I've had a lot of organizations on the show as well. And so that was really encouraging. It made this, it made my, uh, you know, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And, I, and it was just really encouraging to see that 
No, and most people, nobody said, one person said, you know, well, how many people listen to your show? Most people, whether they are New York Times bestsellers or people just getting started, they're just like, yes. So that was, that again, that was really encouraging. It made me feel a lot more comfortable about what, what I was embarking on. Just to give those of you who haven't listened to or watched my show an idea of some of the, the early topics that we covered, Hidden Compass Online Travel Magazine, A Friend Living with Crohn's Disease, New York Times bestselling novelist Jasmine Darznick, San Francisco Bicycle Coalition, Holland Oates production designer, San Francisco, why are we getting a laugh at Holland Oates? They are legends. I don't know why people are laughing at Holland Oates. Okay, you guys gotta go back and revisit your, uh, your 80s and late 70s music. Uh, they're still touring, by the way. You can't go for that? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anyway, they're still touring, and he's still doing pretty well, thanks to Holland Oates. But anyway, Brava Kamara's Meditation Center was on, Mill Valley Film Festival was on twice, Lidquake was on twice, Dandelion Chocolate, as you mentioned, and Data Edgar's Beach Six Valencia. So again, that's just a sampling. But what I quickly noticed in these early days is that these people and these organizations were coming in to do the show was that Yes, I had started it for Matthew Felix to get myself and my work out into the world, but it wasn't just about me. It wasn't just a platform for me. Very quickly I realized this show is just as important for these people who are talking about their projects and their organizations. And when I had that realization, it sort of shifted my perspective. And I realized, you know, I felt more of a responsibility. Because I already felt, felt a responsibility for my audience, of course for myself, but now I felt a responsibility for these organizations and, and, and my guests. And it also made the show feel more important because it felt as if it had a greater purpose than what I had set out to do initially. So that felt really good. Things got off to a great start with regards to the show itself. But there were some things happening outside of my control at the station where I was doing the show that were not, not so good. First of all, um, after we did the live show, people would email, friends and family would email in and they would say, we couldn't listen. We were going to the internet radio site and we were hitting play and nothing was happening. It's really hard to develop an audience when they can't listen to your show. <laughs> Two, the station wouldn't let us upload the recorded versions of the shows to podcast platforms. And exactly, 2018, 2019, if you're doing a podcast and you can't upload it to iTunes, you're basically doing the podcast for yourself. Three, I was hearing a lot about Facebook Live, uh, live streaming on YouTube, other live streaming video platforms. Couldn't do that at the station either. So quickly, after six months, I realized the show's already sort of outgrown the station. It was a great place to get started, but it's time to sort of spread my wings and go elsewhere where I can really do all these other things that I can't at the station. That, however, meant that I now needed a home. And I could not compete with tech money, you know, renting spaces, competing with, with, with tech entities that were also trying to rent spaces. So I sent out an email to everyone I know, all my contacts and friends here in the Bay Area. Lo and behold, a certain Aaron Byrne, who a lot of you have heard of, Amazing writer, traveler, event organizer, and founder. Uh, she directed me to her friend, Naomi Goldner, who was in the process of turning her father's old house into a literary center in Noe Valley. I called Naomi right away. I went and saw the space. And I walked into the kitchen, and it was this, you know, there's just this massive window with this beautiful pine tree and just glorious light coming into that space. And right away, I was like, and a lot of you have seen it. I said, that's, that's where I want to do my podcast, if you would, you know, if you're up for it. She was up for it. She very graciously, uh, you know, let me use the space, you know, in exchange for promoting the space on uh, and then the new literary center on my podcast. So <clears throat> now I had a home 
which was great. That's the good news for a new home. The bad news was that Naomi's kitchen was a kitchen. Which is to say, I had been doing my show at a, at a real, you know, it was an internet radio station, but it was a real studio done by professional audio engineers. And I just walked in and I walked out. Now I had to come up with my own studio, and not just an audio studio, but a video studio as well. I just assumed, you know, so much technology is just so accessible today. I am not a techie, but I just thought I could figure this out. What followed was a nightmarish several weeks where I tried to work through a bunch of technical issues that I knew nothing about. I didn't really have anyone to call because I was bringing together all these disparate parts. I didn't even know how to phrase the questions a lot of times for things that I was trying, trying to deal with. And it was, honestly, it was just a nightmare. And I did not know what I'd gotten myself into, and I kept wondering, you know, why am I doing this? Should I just throw in the towel? Have I bitten off more than I can chew? Somehow, I figured it out, and therein lay you know, another issue, or another lesson, rather, is that through enough patience and perseverance, you know, when we come up against these things that seem insurmountable, we can overcome them. Overcome them. Now, of course, that's a lesson I've already learned, that's a lesson you've all learned in your lives, but apparently here and now, I needed to learn it again in a big, bad way. <laughs> and I did. Now, over the uh, year that followed, I have done 30 shows at WordSpace, and I want to show just a brief highlight reel of some of those shows. There's just a whole bunch of quick clips because obviously in, in a 15 minute presentation I can't do actual, um, but also I'll just add that it's not just a word space, it's some of the, the three shows that I did in Paris as well as the shows that I did at the internet radio station. And I have no idea what the sound's gonna be like. But the one in your bedroom? The one in my bedroom was in my notes, but I couldn't fit it in into the 15 minutes. So afterwards you can ask Aaron about the show we did in my bedroom, which was my first one. <laughs> The show that we did twice, which I did have in this presentation, but I had to cut it out. All right, so here are 90 seconds of a year and a half of shows. What got you to give up that security? Flashing. Why can't she know? They made wine out of hash. Oh, hash. We go deep here. Amazing Perform their own story. Drum roll. A rage. The reorganization of the illustrated novel. Ready for that. First thing I do when there's a metro, I, I write the metro. Oh, does someone pull that off? And it was actually my father. Dad, no, no, you know, mysteries, clues, you know. Interesting, so you weren't even into them. And coffee turned your world upside down. You're a little more cultured than I am. <laughs> Movement to preserve the darkness in our skies. Being a penetration. <laughs> Antarctica was the same way 50 years ago. Could not have experienced without something cracking open. You have something that can entertain people. She just spilled her hidden bottle of wine. <laughs> wow, you're jet lag. I'm still jet lag. Yes, that's, right. <laughs> that's different. My mother was a refugee. Her mother was a refugee. I was a refugee. Sabotage me. How, oh, I sabotaged you. That's because what it's there I for. Can't make this sound. <laughs> Millions of bees were dying. You travel the world eating chocolate. Is there a better job? I, mean, I love that scene when they're holding your head out of the toilet when you were vomiting. <laughs> I thought that was a great, it's powerful, powerful television. Exactly. A nude portrait of you, and you hung this up on a billboard. Or not a billboard. Oh, heavens. <laughs> Can I talk about that? No, we didn't forget. Don't what you mention Are you film. saying, what would you like to we say? Forgot. <laughs> Sorry, I know it's rude to interrupt. It's rude to interrupt the clothes. They're what on my, like if they go to my website. <laughs> Another lesson from this podcast is that when you have someone on for the third time, they might take more license than they would otherwise. The annoyance that you saw in that last clip was real annoyance. Um, 
But so I have absolutely loved doing the show. I have, you know, I feel such a sense of accomplishment after each show. But I've single-handedly been producing a show that really requires a team. And between scheduling, research, which oftentimes entails, you know, reading a book, marketing before and after, social media, editing the video, editing the audio, mixing the audio, syncing up the audio and the video, doing the graphics, and on and on and on. Oftentimes I stay up, I've been spending three, three days a week on one, one and a half hour show. Oftentimes I would stay up till 4 a.m. after the show, which meant a 16 or 17 or 18 hour day. Obviously not sustainable, and I'm not a martyr, I'm not a hero, that's not something I planned to keep doing. But part of the reason I was going to such great lengths is because you know, I was hoping to develop enough of an audience to monetize the show, which I had not done. People have been listening and watching, a regular group tunes in to watch live, so you know, that's been great. But my numbers have been in the thousands, not in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, which is what it takes to get sponsors. So suspicions that I began to have over time proved true. The most important one perhaps being that in podcasting, just like so many other spaces, it's really about finding your niche, right? You find your niche and then you can grow out from that. But I did it the opposite because I wasn't thinking in marketing terms, right? I was just thinking I have to do a show in two weeks and I want it to be about Matthew Felix because it's to kind of start my platform. And I really like talking about a big variety of things. So I was just thinking about how do I represent myself on this show versus how do I attract audience? Well, in so doing, even though I, I loved doing the show, I made it hard for, for the wider audience to find me. Same with the title. People aren't searching as much as I wish they were. They're not searching on iTunes for Matthew Felix. They're searching for, you know, hamster podcasts or skiing podcasts or, you know, writing podcasts. And so now I know this is just some of the many, many learnings that I've got from, from doing the show. This summer the show went on hiatus. I went to Croatia to uh, one of the main purposes of which was on a retreat. And one of the main purposes of, of taking that time was to research podcasting, fill in some gaps in my knowledge, do some brainstorming, and really figure out what's my next phase. I decided to bring Matthew Felix on air to a close. And I decided to produce multiple new targeted podcasts in 2020. Now, I'm really, it, it bums me out to not do this show anymore because I really have enjoyed doing it and I do feel attached to it. And I waited until tonight to tell Naomi where I do this show that I really wasn't going to do it there anymore because I just wasn't quite ready to let go. But I had to see it, you know, I had to recognize it as part of a bigger picture, an ongoing journey. I've learned so much, I've had such a great time, I've met so many people. But it's time to go on to the next phase. So that's just how these things work. And, and I'm excited to move on to the next projects. I also accomplished my goal, which feels good. It makes it easier to, to move on. The goal being to get Matthew Felix, the writer, sort of out there. And I know this not just because of the, the listener and viewer numbers, but because of a few tangible things that have happened. So in July and August alone, I had five unsolicited requests of people who were interested in being on the show. And prior to that, I've had a lot of other requests. I had a PR agency in London who wanted to place someone on the show. I had a medium in Iowa who wanted to be on the show. <laughs> I've had lots of writers throughout California want to be on the show. So I mention that because it just, it feels good, it feels validating that the show did find an audience, that it did, has been perceived as mattering, and, and so that feels really good. That's the first thing. Second thing is, on multiple occasions, I've come to events like these and introduce myself to someone, and they'll say, why don't you invite me to that show? And so then again, that's not an ego thing, that's a just, oh good, the show's getting out there. You know, people are, people are watching and listening. That happened actually before, just now, the, um, 
one of the women out there said, oh, I, I listened to your podcast. So again, because you don't know, you know, you see these numbers and um, so that feels really good. But the third thing, my favorite anecdote was I went into my Whole Foods and my cashier said, hey, I know you, my, my, uh, my husband and I just watched your, your podcast from this week. So that was sort of the closest I've come to, you know, brushes with fame, I guess. And of course, lastly, like I said, the show and what I learned on the show, it set me up to do the next ones. Many of you, like I've already kind of said, have been guests and listeners and viewers of the show, and I want to sincerely thank you all for that. I really appreciate it. And uh, I also want to thank Naomi and Tom, Wordspace Studios. They're not here, but I just want to publicly thank them for allowing me to do the show in their space. They were complete lifesavers, could not have been more flexible and accommodating and welcoming. And um, even if you haven't been involved or watched or listened to the show, you are now involved in the show because this is, we are recording as I speak, the last episode of Matt Felix on live, uh, or on air. So thank you for being a part of that. And uh, thank you, thank you. And I hope you'll uh, check out the shows in 2020. You can subscribe, of course, to MattFelix.com, follow me on social media. And in the meantime, all of the episodes, Matt Felix on air, as well as my other podcasts, including three based on my books, are on all of the major podcast platforms. So I hope you'll check them out. And I just want to say thank you again, Aaron. Thank you again, Book Passage. And thank all of you for coming out tonight. Thank you. Thank you.